0: Good everyone. Chag Sameach. Uh,
1: so I figured in, instead of uh, offering a, a sermon or a teaching in the usual spot, I would offer it now um, as it pertains to what we're going to be reading, the special reading selected for the eighth day of Passover. So wh- what are we going to find in just a few moments as we open up our Chumashim and, and turn to this Selection in Deuteronomy selected for the eighth day Essentially we're going to find a restatement of the hows, whens, and whys of the three major Biblical festivals, Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. And if you feel today like you've seen this before It's because you have right. This is the third time twice in Exodus and now this time in Deuteronomy that We're essentially reading the same directions about how to observe these holidays. Now one of the common threads in each telling is that the celebration of these festivals happens somewhere specific. So in Exodus the price geography is ambiguous and then in Deuteronomy in a sort of a staple of the Deuteronomic form, right Hillel, yes, sir. right? <laughs> the language is in <laughs> the place that God will choose. I can only imagine what your bedtime stories were like with 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 your dad, the scholar of Deuteronomy. Right. So the the place that God will choose, that's that we come to associate that with the temple in Jerusalem. And it's not just that the festival happens there. But crucially, the Jewish community is expected to show up to that place three times a year, making these festivals, what we call Shalosh Regalim, the three pilgrimage holidays. Now, it's easy, I think, to neglect this experiential dimension of these holidays in today's age, given the fact that really pilgrimage hasn't been part of our observance of Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot, basically since the destruction of the Second Temple. The Pesach that we celebrate today is different in significant ways, unsurprisingly, from the biblical holiday. Of course, there's no paschal lamb sacrifice. The Seder itself is a rabbinic invention Uh, and Passover, I think, interestingly, has become what I'm going to call more of a private holiday, meaning the locus of the celebration is at home more than any other holiday with the Seder as the staple of that private experience. And, And to our main point, pilgrimage has essentially disappeared from our religious lexicon in contrast, really with many of the other great world religions. But in the Torah pilgrimage Aliyala Regel, it's clearly one of the primary modes of marking these holidays and I think it's worth exploring why that is. In other words, what is it about a communal journey to a site of sacred significance that in the Torah's view so crucially captures and perpetuates the desired religious experience of these holidays why is this the tool for this moment why pilgrimage to mark these holidays so to try to answer this question I'm going to turn to the work of a 20th century anthropologist Victor Turner I'm seeing no nods sorry I didn't look I didn't look over here My rabbi knows, of course, so Victor Turner is is most well known for his book, The Ritual Process, of course, uh, with its focus on rites of passage, particularly in African communities. But in the late 70s, he published a book with his wife, Edith, all about what they called pilgrimage theory, uh, which was an attempt to describe some of the key features common to pilgrimages across religions and cultures they offer a useful framework I think to help us understand the transformative potential of this kind of journey now let me pause for a moment of intellectual honesty in front of my teachers here um, so the pilgrimage as Turner describes it may or may not accurately describe what the Torah is commanding I I, I don't I really don't know the answer to that but I suspect it's not too far off one of the challenges is that the sources that we have describing the actual pilgrimages right some found in the Mishnah others in early rabbinic sources some found even in Josephus they provide interesting details about these occasions but they rarely describe the emotional dynamics experienced by the pilgrims themselves in our in our sources we don't have any Sort of first-hand accounts or narratives from the pilgrims, you know, reporting back how the experience shaped them. That would be lovely, but we don't we don't have that, to my knowledge. The kind of texts that we do have about the pilgrimage include, for example, that during the time of the Second Temple, Jews living in the diaspora were committed to coming to Jerusalem at least once a year, and sometimes at great risk to their own lives. It says the Talmud says in Masechet that pilgrims had to bypass the guards that the Greeks had stationed on the roads, which was a similar tactic used by the evil kings of the northern kingdom to prevent Jews from making their pilgrimage. Other texts speak about the responsibility of the Sanhedrin, the, the high court, in the month leading up to Passover to repair the roads, to repair the mikvahot, the ritual baths, and to mark graves. All of these necessary steps to make travel to Jerusalem smooth and so that pilgrims could maintain the requisite ritual purity that they would have needed to approach the temple. We know that the residents of Jerusalem listen to this were prohibited from charging pilgrims for overnight accommodation. But regardless the pilgrimages were certainly of great economic boon to the local residents. And we know that the rabbis now centuries later writing with nostalgia about these gatherings waxed poetically about the miracles that happened on these festivals. My personal favorite they say that Jerusalem was so crowded during the pilgrimage that quote when the pilgrims stood in prayer they were pressed together like sardines I added that like sardines. But when they bowed miraculously, there was a space of four cubits between one person and the next, All right? Maybe we can do that in the gym on Yom Kippur. That's from about the rabbi Nathan. All right. So with a sense of now what we know from these actual pilgrimages and, and I suppose my conscience cleared about the intellectual honesty of this drash, I want to return to the spiritual dynamics of the pilgrimage as defined by Turner as a way to understand the centrality of the Shalosh Regalim in our tradition. All right, so at its core, a pilgrimage is an elliptical journey, whereby the pilgrim leaves home, journeys to a sacred site, most commonly alongside other travelers, and then returns home transformed by the experience and hopefully able to integrate the lessons from the journey into everyday life. Turner highlights three key elements of pilgrimage that, similar to rites of passage, set it apart as a peak religious experience. These are what he calls anti structure, liminality, and communitas. Stay with me. All right, so a pilgrimage represents a break from the typical rhythms that dictate everyday life. Work responsibilities fade into the background, routine is upended, setting relocated. The structure of everyday life has been replaced by what Turner is calling anti-structure. That that doesn't mean that there are no rules on a pilgrimage, but that the rules that govern this experience are radically different from the habitual grooves that people typically live by. The dissolving of structure makes way for new building blocks to emerge number two pilgrimage is necessarily liminal much to the chagrin of my early 20s self one cannot be a pilgrim forever the journey requires a return trip home but while on the road the pilgrim is fundamentally between Places between times and structures Turner writes that as such liminality is often likened to quote to death or to being in the womb or to darkness or to the wilderness and it's not just that the time is liminal but people exist in a unique way in this transitional moment he writes Liminal entities are neither here nor there. They are betwixt and between the positions assigned and arrayed by law, custom, and convention. Which leads to the most important element of a pilgrimage, what he terms communitas, a feeling of profound connectedness to others undergoing the ritual. Communitas emerges from the conditions of anti-structure and liminality in part because on the pilgrimage, social status, rank, economic disparities dissolve. Pilgrims travel together, often wearing similar garb, all dependent on the generosity and hospitality of others, all traveling the same path with the same destination in mind. It's a temporary community of equal undifferentiated individuals. Edith Turner describes communitas as a spiritual state, an unconditional love outside any differentiated respect for rank, moral status, and social structures. A pilgrimage is a moment in and out of time that dissolves the structures, both social and legal, that govern everyday life, and in its place, new possibilities for how society could function and how people could relate to each other emerge okay, that I think is the key point. that's the frame that helps us understand in general terms why pilgrimage is the codified religious response to these three holidays in the narrative itself isn't the story of Exodus revelation and the journey to the promised land not a pilgrimage in and of itself if not multiple pilgrimages nestled within each other so it makes sense that the experience of pilgrimage as codified religious behavior would best capture and reanimate the essential lessons of these holidays so as we wrap up Passover today I want to conclude by applying this conceptual framework specifically to this holiday. The narrative of Exodus lives in liminality. The story details the escape from the structure of slavery with its defined social hierarchies and everyday injustices into a new identity. People living on the margins mark their doorposts, the threshold space, with blood and then set off on a journey. The ultimate moment of suspense and deliverance happens at the Red Sea water transformed to dry ground for just long enough to pass through to the other side they've landed in a place that's neither here nor there not Egypt not yet Israel plenty of wandering ahead to figure out what could blossom from the anti-structure of the wilderness from the dissolving of their enslaved identities and mentality into a free people. Breaking the bonds of who they were to determine who they could be takes us from the edge of the sea to the base of the mountain, where they're told they can be mamlechet kohanim Vigoi kadosh, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Interesting language of common status, mamlechet kohanim. And they trembled as one. And they respond in one voice. Even for a brief moment, a glimpse of a people unified by common status, by a shared mission and shared experience. But crucially, the point of a pilgrimage isn't the pilgrimage itself. The question is always how the journey informs the stationary how the experience of anti-structure helps redefine the structures and hierarchies by which we live our everyday lives how it helps us carry unconditional love for our fellow into our daily interactions which is why the Torah returns again and again to this sentiment placed in the middle of today's Torah reading interrupting the description of the three pilgrimage festivals Vizaharta Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and take care to obey these laws. You were there. The experience of slavery demands the creation of a society that protects the vulnerable, the creation of an anti-Egypt, a society that remembers how to remember and in doing so loves how it ought to love. And should you forget that that's what this whole project is all about, Shalosh pe'amim beshana. Three times a year, make a pilgrimage to a sacred place.